50 days after the Passover, the Jewish Passover on that Saturday, that uh, old Jewish Sabbath, 50 days later was the Jewish feast of Pentecost. And uh, Pentecost means 50 days, 50. So seven sevens plus one that takes us on to 49 days, seven weeks later on a Saturday, plus one, we arrive on the first day of the week. And uh, Jerusalem was packed with people at this uh, great feast that the men of Israel were expected to attend. And uh, they came from all over the world, gathered there in Jerusalem. And the promise of Jesus Christ was fulfilled. It was foretold by the prophet Joel in particular, and other prophets also, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in great profusion. Of course, he's been powerfully active throughout the history of forever, particularly on this little planet, this third rock from the sun. He brooded over the surface of the waters, over that darkness on that first day of creation. And uh, as the Father had planned, so the Son spoke, so the Holy Spirit works. Triune God in creation. Triune God in salvation. My salvation and your salvation, if you are saved, if you're not saved, make sure today the gate is still open. If you're not yet saved, the trap door to hell and gloom and eternal darkness is still open. But you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that trap door is sealed and no one can open it. And the gates to heaven are not only open, but they're taken off their hinges. And uh, we are being beckoned in through the work of the Holy Spirit, planned by the Father, put into action by the Son, applied by God the Holy Spirit. Oh, our salvation is a Trinitarian salvation. We give thanks to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But on this day of Pentecost, let's think about the third person of the one triune God and think particularly this morning of the Holy Spirit's work in our salvation. Briefly, who is the Holy Spirit? Let me say it again. He is the third person of the one triune God. There are so-called Christian groups who say, well, the Holy Spirit is uh, an influence and He is the power of God. Uh, but there's only uh, a unitary being God. He's our Father. And, uh, oh, He does have a Son, but the Son is of a lower order than the Father. And the Holy Spirit is the influence of, of God. And they are Arians, and they're around today. Uh, there will be people called Unitarians. This, this old heresy is not gone. There'll be lovely people knocking on your doors and bringing you the watchtower. Now, they are Arians. Uh, Jesus Christ is a very high order. But, uh, oh, he's not uh, God. They'll mix their words then there's those lovely smiley people you'll find on Queen Street and uh, going around the doors as well, little badges, elder so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, uh, they will be from the uh, Church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints. The, the, the Mormon community, my friend, they are Aryans. It's an old heresy. It's alive and it is well. But we maintain 
the truth revealed in the Bible that the Holy Spirit, far from being, he is an influence, of course he is. He is the power of God, certainly he is. But he is a person. He is a person. And uh, you can grieve him. You can't grieve electricity. You can't grieve the wind. You can't grieve a wave. But you can grieve the Holy Spirit. He is a person. You can lie to him. You can't lie to a hydroelectric power station. You can't lie to a wind turbine. But you can lie to a person. And uh, Peter's very clear. You've lied to God. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to, to God. No, he is a person. Along with the Father and the Son. God the Holy Spirit. One being in essence, God. Now here's a mystery. There are folks who say, well, I can't understand that. Good. Good in a sense. Because if you could understand everything of God, you've got the wrong God, my friend. Imagine to put God in a box and say, I've, I now know all about him. Oh, there's a surface which we can know, but there'll be depths. I mean, what do you Consider we will be doing forever. You know, forever is a long, long time. If God were fathomable, you'd get bored eventually. <laughs> but he is infathomable. He's inscrutable. He's ineffable. Big words, look them up afterwards, get a dictionary out, play it back. I'll look them up myself. But they sound impressive. God. One. Behold, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. One. Yet triune. Hinted at in Genesis. The Spirit of God hovering over the waters and God said, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in, in creation. And then as we go through the Bible, more and more being revealed of the persons, distinct persons in the one triune God. One being three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son. The Father and the Son are not the Spirit. Distinct in their persons. Equal and in their essential essence. The same but distinct in their persons. One God, blessed Trinity. The Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal. One is not before or after another. The eternal great I Am. I was reading this morning, I, I brought it, I was going to read it. Actually, I didn't bring it, I left. I thought, I can't read all this. Three pages of the Athanasian Creed. Fourth century, Athanasius against the world. The Arian heresy was dominating the early church at that point, And God raised up Athanasius, who argued with the council. It seemed the whole world was against him. Athanasius contra mundum. Athanasius against the world. But he poured over the scriptures, illuminated by the Holy Spirit. He, he won that council and out came the Athanasian Creed. God, triune, one being, three persons, co-equal, co-eternal, three gods, no one God, three fathers, no one father, three sons, no one son, father, son, and Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's the third person of the one triune God who proceeds from the Father and the Son. What is his work? Well, his work is absolutely vital. 
And yet he works in the background. Do you know, there's so much in a local church that goes on in the background. We've arrived today. You are met by smiley people at the door. There's a pastor in the pulpit. There'll be people serving teas and coffees. And you see the visual. But there's an awful lot gone on in the background. You know, somebody arrived to open up the building. Do you take that for granted? There was a wedding yesterday. We walked through into the hall. How wonderful. And we look at the decorations and things. And then we have the lovely food. And uh, it's there. And that's up front. But a lot has gone on in the background. Silently, and people not wanting applause, but they do these things as unto the Lord. And here's God the Holy Spirit. And we hear much about the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the center of all preaching. It's my only hope. I have no other argument. I have no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died, that he died for me. But working in the background is this wonderful person, God, the Holy Spirit. And his work is absolutely vital because without his work, Jesus would just be a figure in history at best to me. And I might become religious, but I wouldn't be saved. I might be intellectually persuaded that Christianity were probably true, but really it would mean nothing to me. Or the work of the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital in our salvation to getting saved, to knowing God here and now, and to getting to heaven then. The work of the Holy Spirit. What's the problem? Why don't I know God? Why is it I have no hope of heaven? You know, if you ask people, are you going to heaven? Where are you going to go? Let's put it this way. Answer this question for me now in your own heart. When you die as you must, where are you going? And for many people, if we did a, a survey, they would say, might be a question we could ask, Fiona, I don't know. Where do you think you'll go? With? Oh, I hope I'll go to heaven. Is that you? Hope? Hope is hopeless. Hope? Uh, well, ask a further question. What's your hope based on? And they would say, and maybe you're saying this now in your own heart. What are you saying? If you're saying, I hope I'll get to heaven, what's your hope built on? You'd say, well... I go to church, I try my best, I look to help people, I'm as good as anybody else. Oh, I'm not perfect, but I, I, I. And that's the problem. It's all about you. That's hopeless. That's hopeless. What's the problem? Sin. Sin has separated us from the being of God here and now. Sin has barred the way to heaven. Sin is what I am, I'm a sinner, and therefore I do lots of things that are wrong. There are folks who focus on the, our wrong deeds, and that's important, and they are our sins. But why do I do things wrong? Well, my friend, I am wrong. That's the problem. The problem is that I'm a sinner. By birth, I don't become a sinner. I'm born a sinner. The evidence is plain. Now come through the keyhole with me. Who'd live in a world like this? You see the mess of sin everywhere. In your own hearts, in your families, society, neighborhoods, nationally, internationally. What can explain this world? Sin. We don't become sinners. We are born sinners. And therefore we do things that are wrong. We all like sheep have gone astray. 
We've all turned to our own way. If you're hoping you'll get to heaven, my friend, it is hopeless because it depends on you. And only the Holy Spirit can show you your sin. And only the Holy Spirit can show you the answer to your sin. It's not what you do. It's what God has done. It was planned in eternity past, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there never was a time when this council hadn't taken place. Go back a zillion years. There's God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They've only got the plan in their hand, but it was planned. But you never get a time beyond when they're still going to plan it. Father asks the Son, would you go to this world? And the Son says, I will willingly go. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm willing to oversee that work and apply that work in the life of sinners. And so the Father sends the Son. For God so loved the world, He gave the darling of His heart, His only begotten Son. And Jesus Christ comes into the world prophesied, planned in eternity, prophesied right from the point of sin's inception into the world, he promised that the seed of the woman would come and crush Satan's head. That promise multiplies throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus Christ arrives in Bethlehem of Judea in the time of Herod the, Herod the king. Angels are singing, shepherds are watching, wise men come. And Jesus Christ is born. Fully God, fully man. He hasn't stopped being God. He's the God baby, the God child, the God teenager, the God man. He lives 33 years. Why has he come? He's come to do that which he couldn't do from heaven. Praying it in the prayer. He could calm a storm from heaven. He'd done it. He can teach from heaven through the prophets. He can heal from heaven. But he can't save from heaven. Sin is a problem to the holy Essence of the being of God and it must be paid for. The wages of sin is death. And there's a, an economy here. Either you pay for yourself, your own sin, and you'll be forever. That's hell. Eternity. Away from the good presence of God. Or, here's the good news and what good news it is. Why aren't we more excited about this? Christianity explored coming up. Bring, your, bring yourself, bring a friend, bring a neighbour, work colleague. So glad to, to hear the curry night is, is full. Kids clubs, lots of room in the kids clubs. Ladies meetings, men's meetings. What an exciting gospel. There'll be another service here tonight. Or oh, to see churches filled because we have a message. Sins can be forgiven. How? Not what I do. If it's me, my church attends my prayers, my Bible, it's hopeless. But it's based on Jesus Christ, my Faith has found a resting place. Not in any creeds, but it's, it's Jesus. What has he done? He lived a perfect... Now listen now. If you're not yet saved, here's what Jesus has done. Planned in eternity past, prophesied in the Old Testament, put into effect 2,000 years ago. Here's what Jesus has done for you, if you'll trust him. To get to heaven, I need a perfect life, and I haven't got one. So Jesus comes, he becomes a man, and that man lives a perfect life. He's doing it because you can't do it. He hasn't come to teach us, he was doing that from heaven. Why would he come to this planet? He's come to deal with sin. So he lives the life you can't live. 
And then, what's the cross all about? Well, on Calvary, you might say, I don't believe in a God who could send people to hell, my friend, to save you from going there. He went there himself. Here's the Trinity in action. God the Father pouring out on God the Son the wrath that we deserve. And Calvary was hell on earth 2,000 years ago where I can say in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. This is the gospel and Jesus Christ is the only way. Why? Because he's the only one who's dealt with the problem. All other religions will have you do things and hope for the best. My friends, sin's the problem and only Jesus Christ has dealt with the problem. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. He died that we might be forgiven. He died, we'll come on to this in a moment now. We've got time. He died to make us good. Not just about being saved and doing what you like or being indifferent or lazy or slovenly. No, he died to make us like Jesus that we might go at last to heaven saved by going to church, saying prayers. We do go to church. We do say prayers. It doesn't save us. We're saved by his precious blood. I have no other arguments. I say it to you again. Can you say it? I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough. Can you see that? Why aren't you saved? Stop depending on yourself or religion or what you do. It is enough that Jesus died. Can you say this? That he died for, for me. For me. So here's the work of the Trinity. God the Father sends His Son. The Son willingly comes. But it's the Holy Spirit who will come to a meeting like this and apply that work to your heart. And left to yourself, you just won't see it. And the Spirit's work here, it's a technical word, it's worth knowing, it's called regeneration. And uh, the clue is in the word, uh, generation, giving life, regenerating us from, from being dead to being alive. We are born again, as uh, Jesus tells Nicodemus. And that born again is an interesting Greek word. It means to be born from above. It's used in John chapter 1 as well in verse 13. Born, Christians born, not of a father's will or a husband's decision, but born of God. Born from above, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. We'll come to a meeting like this. So I'm, I've given you the gospel. But the Bible says this, we are dead in our transgressions and our sins. Ephesians chapter 2, the first three or four verses there. Verse 5 is key as well. As for you, you were dead. Ah, I, I seem to be alive. No, you're physically alive, but spiritually dead. We're born spiritually dead. We're alive to ourselves and sin. I want my way, I'll do it my way. That great atheistic anthem, I did it my way. Dead, dead to God. I might know about him. Might have a notion he might be there, but I don't know him. What's the problem? Sin, dead. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and in your sins. But God, 
because of his great mercy, made us alive again together with, with Christ. Spiritually, we're dead. So generally, how many times have you heard the gospel? If you're a Christian here, you might say, oh, I heard it many times, and on one particular service, the preacher seemed to make sense. He's always been making sense. But on the occasion where you believe, the Holy Spirit came and gave you life. That's his unique work. I can't do it. Keeps me humble. No other Christian here can do it. This is the ministry and work of God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells Nicodemus, the Spirit blows where he will. So it is with the Spirit. So he'll be, he's here this morning. Of course he's here this morning. And uh, you're sitting there and maybe you're thinking, this is nonsense. Why were well, you dead? And then suddenly it happened to me, Brisbane, Australia, 1976. Went in arguing against Christians in the service. I saw it. Holy God, sinful me, Jesus Christ, the bridge. What had happened? I thought I believed. Well, I had, but only because the Holy Spirit gave me new life. He regenerated me. It's only those who have life who can respond to the gospel. It's only those to whom the Spirit gives life who see their need and they repent of what they are and what they've done and they trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the work of the Holy Spirit here is absolutely vital. Without this work of the Holy Spirit, we can be religious. Are you a religious member here? Did you know the right words to say to the elders when you were added to the congregation and the list? Or do you see God has really done something in your life? Is Jesus Christ everything to you? I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died. And if you can say this, and that he died for me, wow, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Let's... Let's move on. I play no part in my regeneration. Let's move over that. Time's, time's going. Sanctification. Second vital work of God, the Holy Spirit. How do I know I'm saved? People come with doubts. I get doubts at, at times, and doubts are part of faith. How do I know it's real? What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Ah, there's a change, an old uh, chorus that I think the word, things are different now. Something's happened to me since I gave my life to Jesus. Things are different now. Something's happened to me. Something happens when you become a Christian since I gave my life to him. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something's happened to me. This is our sanctification. When I trust in Jesus Christ, I'm counted as righteous. I'm given the clean life of Jesus Christ. It covers me. Nothing can change that. My, my legal state, justified. But in actual fact, I'm still a sinner. I'm struggling with sin. But here comes the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification. I had nothing to do with my regeneration. I mean, I was born physically on the 29th of April, 1957. I had nothing to do with it. I've had a lot to do with my growth ever since then. I've had to open my mouth. 
I have to exercise my lungs. I have to take myself on walks. I'd have to watch my inputs and outputs, calorie counts, exercise. I, I'm involved in this life, now I have it. But the giving of life to me by mum and dad, no part at all. My regeneration, God the Holy Spirit. To God be the glory, sovereign in my salvation. But having given, been given life, like a newborn baby, what stage are you at? What stage am I at? Am I still crawling or rolling or wailing? Have I learned to walk? Have I learned to feed myself? Oh, I didn't get much from that sermon. What do you expect? Are we able to feed ourselves? Oh, that was too highbrow, too intellectual. Shame on you. Some things are difficult to understand. As Paul says in some of his letters, says Peter, we can come on to strong meats. Well, surely you've got teeth by now? Now, it's the Spirit working in me. My sanctification, growth in grace, but I need to be fully involved. And the Holy Spirit wants to make me like the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians and chapter 3. A wonderful verse here. You'll know it well. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. It's giving a, an analogy here. The Bible like a mirror. And what I see in the Bible, we thought about my regeneration. I see my sin and I see Jesus Christ. And now, as I go on as a Christian, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror. What do I see in that mirror of the Bible? The glory of the Lord. So here I am. My face has been unveiled. Scales have dropped off. New life. I'm able to look into the Word of God. And what do I see? I see the glory of the Lord as in a mirror. And through that vision, that sight, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, here we are reading the Bible. The Bible's being preached. It's open. If I am a Christian, I'm looking into the Word of God. I'm seeing the glory of God and the Holy Spirit's working in me to change me, listen to it now, into that image. What's the Spirit's aim? It's His work. His aim is to make me like Jesus. Now, Michelangelo, the great sculptor would take a solid block of stone or marble. That statue of David came from one solid block. And Michelangelo has in his mind what he wants to form. And he didn't happen with one dink, statue of David. He worked on it and he chiseled and he knew what he was aiming for and bits are being knocked off. And so it is with you and me. We come to church, we read our Bibles, we are rubbed up the wrong way by fellow believers. We, we're interacting, we're, we're exercising faith and we're being formed and transformed and chiseled. But the aim of the Holy Spirit and He's working on us, all cooperate with Him in every way that you're able to. Put yourself under the Word, get to the prayer meetings. They're not, they're, they're not the sin. Sadly, Sadly, we say it's the powerhouse. Actually, my friend, it's the Cinderella meeting that can be missed at the drop of a hat. <laughs> I know there are reasons why you and I can't be at a prayer meeting. 
But eventually, reasons become excuses, don't they? I'm tempting when there's a big match on the telly. Champions League, Man City playing. I need to be there. And the world pulls. Oh, I'm tired. You know, I think of our early married life and in London, no family around us, two little children, off to work, leaving at six in the morning on a double-decker bus onto the tube, into work and leaving and back and coming back in the dark and arriving home at uh, going up for seven and uh, it's the prayer meeting tonight and uh, whose turn is it? And eager to go, one of us wants, wants to be there. And the Sunday evening service, why is that becoming a Cinderella? You know, for lots of churches in Wales, no Sunday evening now because the Lord's people frankly can't be bothered. One meal's enough on a Sunday, thank you very much. I need to digest that. But he wants to make you like Jesus. So you're in the studio. He's saying something. Little bit drops off. More of Jesus being formed. Tonight, something more. Wednesday, ladies meeting. Men's breakfast. Ladies meetings. Come along. Put ourselves there. I know it's hard to get there on a Wednesday sometimes. Do you know there's another prayer meeting? Mention the live. Let's mention the prayer meeting. 10 o'clock till 10.30 on a Sunday morning. If you can't really get there on a Wednesday at 7.30, I, t- I tell you this then, come Wednesday at 8.15. C- come along late because the first part's a Bible study. We don't really get praying till about 20 past 8. C- come late, better be there for the second half than not at all. If you can't make either, Sunday morning. <clears throat> 10 o'clock, bring, bring the children as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy to look after the kiddies down here, maybe entertain, but you, prayer meetings, prayer meetings. Here's the work of the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. But I tell you this, it's the proof that we're genuine. If he's begun a work in us, the Holy Spirit regenerates, he will carry that work on. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Uh, Philippians 2 and verse 14, around about there, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You work it out, but it's God who works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. What is the aim of the Holy Spirit? Let me emphasize it again. It's to make you and I more and more like Jesus Christ. Also gaze on him. Gaze on him. Seek him. There's so many little things we can agree to disagree on, and it really doesn't matter. But some things are absolutely vital. Jesus is the center of it all. Let me finish by saying this this morning. Um, there was a lady in St. Melons, going back maybe 10 years or so ago now, and she came with a question. She'd come from something of a Pentecostal background, and I have that background myself. I spent two years, the first two years of my Christian life in the Elim Pentecostal. But she had this question. She said, I hope you don't mind me asking, but why don't you preach more on God the Holy Spirit? So that was her tradition, more about God the Holy Spirit. My answer was, was simple. I really said it already. I'll preach on the Holy Spirit when he's in the passage. But for the rest of the time, 
He delights in being in the background and lifting up Jesus Christ. That's his work, to bring you to Christ and then to make you like him. So it's not, oh, how wonderful is the Holy Spirit. Yes, he is blessed Holy Spirit, but he delights to point us to Jesus. And the more we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the more pleased and delighted is God the Holy Spirit. Well, let's leave things there for this morning. I want to go on tonight to think about another work of the Holy Spirit that's happened many times in Wales. And a recent book by Errol Davies has thrilled my heart and made me think more on this. In recent times, those breezes that have come from heaven. Well, let's think about that special work together, God willing, this evening. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Pray that his work might be mighty in our congregation, in our day and generation, giving life from the dead. And then as your people, oh, that we'd submit and be under the chisel, as it were, of God the Holy Spirit, that we would be more and more like our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. To God be the glory, we pray. Amen. Well, let's sing a final hymn. I forgot what I've chosen. Oh, yes. And Bianca, Bianco de Siena. Now, this is a, an ancient uh, hymn. Again, it's something of a prayer. It's a familiar tune. I think it's to the, the King of Love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. That, that hymn. Come down, O love divine. Again, it's praying that God would work in us. Seek thou this soul of mine. Let's sing it again worshipfully and prayerfully together.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.